Well, hello, this is the podcast for Word of Life in Bentonville, Arkansas, and this is episode number 15 and a continuation of our series, Knowing God, where Pastor Bill gives us the fourth installment in this series. I can't wait for you to check it out. I hope you're blessed. Before I begin to preach this morning, I... I want to give you my predictions, my thoughts. As the Lord began to speak to me yesterday morning, by the way, I was mentioning this to someone before service. We began this 21 days of prayer going through this book. And there should be plenty for everyone in the back. There were two stacks. I only see one now. But anyway, there should be plenty of books for everyone. Please take one of these. Go through it. We're only on the third day of January. You're only three days behind. But every day you can can read another chapter and it, it will lead you in prayer. But I was up early yesterday morning, or it wasn't really that early, but when I got up, I'll put it that way. It's just like that when I went in to my desk there at the house where I pray and read, that before I could get my coffee set down on the warmer, it's just like the presence of God come into the room. And I, you know, you have these questions in your mind. It's not maybe anything you ponder so much, but you just, wow, this is good. It's almost like, was it the way I was standing or <laughs> the doors open or what? I got to get, you know, in just the right position. What happened? And I felt like the Lord quickened in my spirit. The church is praying. And so the presence of God was just powerful there. Now, if I don't feel that in the morning, I know God's still present. Understand some things you you just know by faith. But I just want to thank you for joining us in prayer. I want to first of all thank God that 2020 is gone. It's in the past. I want to thank God that 21 is here. Someone said 2021 was the year of the local church. That kind of resonates in my spirit. I agree with that. I believe 21 is the year of the local church. This is what I sense. I sense that many churches that closed will not reopen without some serious changes. I predict that many churches will experience transforming renewal. And it's up to the people of those churches to decide which category they're going to be in. Because if your church or our church or any church, this is, this is not to slam anyone, by the way. But if your church is only a club, a clique, it should close. It should close or it should get revived, one of the two. 
I believe that for many churches, we're gonna, they're going to experience transforming renewal. And 21 will be the greatest year ever for them. I believe for this church, we will have a great year, our greatest year ever. I believe there'll be signs, wonders, and miracles, salvations, healings, an outpouring, a more powerful move of God. I thank God for what we have. I thank God for the presence of God that was here this morning. I never take it for granted. I just thank God for it. Uh, uh, the, the word that Pastor Terry gave us, the word that Pastor Jim gave us, the word that Shelley gave us, I never take that for granted. I always appreciate God. I always appreciate when God moves. I mean, say amen. When God moves, flesh is not seen. Amen. The Lord spoke to me that 20 was a year of cleansing, a year of separation, even a year of rest. You know, in the Old Testament, Bible days, every seventh year, they let the ground rest. And so, in, in some ways, it was a year of rest. You say, I don't feel very rested. <laughs> I wrestle too much with things, but a year of rest. It was non-productive to some extent. But he spoke to me that 21 will be a year of fruitfulness. Genesis 1, God said, be fruitful and multiply. It's in our DNA to multiply, to grow. We're just made that way. God, that's, that's how God intended for it to be, to be, for us to be fruitful and multiply. John 15, 8, Jesus said this, my father is glorified when you bear much fruit. How many would like to glorify God? He is glorified when I bear fruit. He's not happy with dead trees. I mean, say amen. So do you want to bear fruit? How many want to bear fruit? I'm going to give you some things just, you know, I've read and learned through the years. And I feel like God laid some of this on my heart too. Yesterday morning, if you want to bear fruit, Maybe you need to make some new habits. Make some new habits. First of all, get one of these books and read through it with us. And then pray as they direct you to. Read one chapter a day in your Bible. Now hopefully, if you've been a Christian long or if you're a leader in this church, hopefully you're reading more than a chapter per day. But I just want to get you in the habit of reading your Bible. So this is easy. This is an entry into getting into the habit of reading your Bible. Read one chapter a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday, beginning in the New Testament. So today being the third day of January, but, we've, but, but we only had one day that was on a Friday, so I, we read one, for example, read one chapter on Friday, and on Monday you would begin reading chapter 2. If you'll do that, if you'll read one chapter a day, five days a week, throughout the year, that's 261 chapters in the New Testament. There's 260 
chapters in the New Testament. Did I say that right? 260 days, since it's not a leap year, in the year, Monday through Friday. And there's 261 chapters. One day you'll have to double up. Sorry to scare you like that by having you read two chapters to catch up. But anyway, and then fast as the Lord lays it on your heart, especially as you go through these 21 days. We also have a daily devotional. I don't mention these much, but I really like these. I like this. I, I read other devotionals. I read devotionals by other people, but I like this. Uh, most days it's just spot on with what God's dealing with me about. And so I'll just encourage you to get one of those. If we have any left, read your daily devotional. I'm just, tell, I'm just giving you some things to help you get into some good habits. Reading the daily devotional. And then I'll give you something like this. Go to church. Go to church. One of the most harmful things that happened to us in 20 was not in Arkansas, but in other places. They're telling you don't assemble. Or if you do, there can only be a few people at a time or maybe outside and on and on and on. I'm not speaking against government authority. I'm just saying it's very harmful to the church. God intended for us to come together. I mean, say amen. He intended, he intended for us to. And some don't like this statement that's been made, and some didn't like it. But one of the intents of the pandemic was to keep people out of church, to stop the church. Just nod your head if you can't say amen. Tithe on your finances. Oh, tithe. God gave it all to you. 10% is what he says you should give back to him. You say, I just can't do it. You can't, you can't prosper without it. You just can't. Give 10% back to God. And let me just throw another encouraging word in to you younger folks. Save 10%. Tie 10%, save 10%. Oh, I can't do that. If you just save $10 a week at the end of the, week, end of the year, you'd have $520. What if you put in $100 a week? Oh, I can't do that. You probably can. At the end of the year, you'd have $5,200. And then this is something that I don't think I've ever told people they should do, but I will tell you, invest. Learn to invest. Make wise investments. And by the way, the wisest investment you can make is into, the, into something much greater than the hedge funds. That's the kingdom of God. Amen. I started making investments into the kingdom of God years ago. I want to tell you, it pays great dividends. So just some things to, to encourage you as we begin our new year. But I'll remind you again, I'll remind you again, I agree with Pastor Terry, just because we, you know, we passed the clock, the midnight hour, a couple of nights ago doesn't mean that boom just like that everything's going to change but I believe God wants this to be your greatest year ever
I believe God wants this to be the greatest year for the church ever. I mean, say amen. Say, what's going to happen in politics? I don't know. What's going to happen to the weather? I don't know. They're both kind of like, you know, they're just kind of up and down. But I can tell you one thing, God's word is unchanging. It's always the same. You can depend on it and you can depend on him. Doesn't make any difference who's in the White House. God's still on the throne. Aren't you glad for that? Hallelujah. Yeah, I encourage you. Go vote. Pray for the president. Pray for Pray for the leaders of our nation, of our state. Pray for them. But they're mere men or women. And there is a difference, by the way. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to talk again about knowing God. Knowing God. I hope you're not tired of hearing about knowing God. I only have in this series, I only have about eight or ten more sermons on this. And so... Praise God. This may be the longest running series I've ever done. I don't know. I just want to be led by the Holy Spirit. But in Philippians, let me give you some foundational scriptures. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, where it says that I may know him. I may know him. And last week I mentioned that the the writer sets out a perfect three-point sermon for us after this. Of course, I, if you remember, I'd done it in reverse. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and being conformed to his death. So I started off with death because I wanted to end up with life so that we didn't leave here feeling dead last Sunday. And so we, we are conformed to his death. We understand the fellowship of his sufferings. And we walk in newness of life or the power of his resurrection. And then from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. All shall know me. One other scripture, turn with me, if you will, to St. John chapter 14. I believe these scriptures are on the overhead, but I'm going to turn and read them. St. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus speaking, he said, I'll pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Verse 23 If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Many people, after they're married, they say, I didn't really know her. I didn't know him. But when you start living together, you begin to know each other, move in 
take up residence together, you really get to know someone. I know my wife much better now than I did previous to marriage, of course. We know each other much better. The great thing about it is, and this is quite honestly and sincerely I say this, we have a wonderful marriage and it's mainly because of her. It really is. But we've, got to, we've gotten to know each other. We get to know each other. God's saying here, I want to come and live with you. I live in you. You know, the word talks about us being in him and him being in us. He's going to take up, a, he's going to abide with us. We're going to abide with him. So we get to know one another. We get to know each other. How I many say amen? I've been knowing God or working on knowing God for nearly 50 years. I was born again at age 23. So in May of this year, I will have been saved 50 years. I've been working on knowing him. But let me tell you that I don't feel like I've even begun to scratch the surface of really understanding him and knowing him. It's an ongoing process, I realize. But I just feel like I still don't know you, God. I don't understand your ways. But I want to keep pressing on. He's so majestic. He is unlimited in power. I don't understand it because his ways are above my ways, the word of God says. To him, nothing is impossible. He's never been defeated. He spoke everything into existence. I'm just trying to give you a somewhat of an image or an understanding of God. Having said, I don't understand him, but I'm trying to help us all to understand. This is the, this is the God, the Father that we talk about. This is the one. He, he created everything. N- knows no defeat. He has never been wrong about anything. Wow, isn't that wonderful? I know you think you're there, but maybe not. He spoke everything, yet he is full of love. He's full of mercy. He's full of peace. He's, he's, never, he's never been offended He's never been offended personally. He may be, what you say may be offensive. What you do may be offensive to him, but he's never been offended and shrunk back. Amen. He's never had an anxiety attack. He's never went off in the corner and cried about anything. I mean, say amen. He's a powerful God, isn't he? I mean, say that's powerful enough right there, isn't it? He gave the earth to man. He created everything and he gave the earth to man to rule and enjoy. But of course, man was disobedient and handed over the authority over, handed the earth over to Satan. But God, because of us, for us, he legally came and took back the earth and gave it back to man under his authority. He's a powerful God, isn't he? Under his authority, he gave it to us. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. The word of God says, we have authority. Whatever we bind, whatever we lose is bound and loose. Now, I will go on and tell you, as I said some time ago, 
you bind and loose in agreement with what's already bound and loosed in heaven. Amen. He now lives with us. He now lives in us, John 14 says. If all of hell comes against us, comes against you, and you may feel like at times that it does. You might feel that way. We can be victorious. Why? Because he is already victorious, and really, I am. You are already victorious. But when we don't know that, we live defeated lives when we don't know that. When we don't know him, we don't know his word. If you really get to know him, you will know no defeats. If you really get to know him, you'll walk in total victory because that's where he is. If you abide in him and he abides in you, you will not have a defeated day. I'm not saying you won't have failures. I'm not saying, you know, we're still in the flesh. But I like John Maxwell's expression, we fail forward. We fail. A good man may fall six times, but he gets up seven. He keeps going. Listen, we ought to look at failures. That's just a learning experience. There have been a lot of things I've gone through, and I said, I won't do that, do that again. I won't do it that way again. It's a learning experience. But so in that, in, that way, in that way, you may feel defeated, but really you're not as long as you get back up and keep going. And you can, and he wants you to. He's there to lift you up out of anything. Even those self-inflicted wounds that we put on ourselves called sin sometimes. Even in that, he will lift you back up out of that. He's a great God. How many can say amen? We need to know him. We're his children. He calls us friend. We are the goal of his purpose. He did it all for me. He did it all for you. Everything you see, everything he does, he does it for you and I. I mean, say amen. He didn't have to create this world. He didn't have to have you, but you needed him. And so he created this earth and he gave it to you and I. I mean, say amen. And then he wants to be our friend. He wants us to be his children. He wants to abide in us. He wants us to abide in him. He's a great God. I'm telling you, he's a great God. And again, even when we failed, he sent his son to die for us, to give us everything we have needed. People that walked up here in this line this morning, me being one of them, I received a healing. I received a healing this morning. You know why? Because by his stripes, I am healed. He took, he took a 39 lashes on his back that I might be healed. He did it all for me. He hung on a cruel cross with nails. It really, it's no myth. It's a true story. A man, a God man hung on a cross, a wooden cross with nails in his hands and in his feet and was pierced in his side for me. Went, died and went to hell for me. Took the keys of death, hell and the grave and ascended back and said, I'm going to give you authority now. He ever liveth to make intercession for me. He is seated at the right hand of God right now making intercession for me. I love this thought. I love this thought God gave me years ago. I can make it. You know why? Because Jesus is interceding for me right now. Yeah. I don't only can, I will make it. 
Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to make it. I said this to someone earlier too. I'm beginning to understand the, old, the song that I used to sing. Everything's going to be all right. What are we going to do, Pastor Bill? I don't know, but I can tell you one thing. Everything's going to be all right. I'm not saying we won't go through stuff. People went through the lion's den, the fiery furnace, and all kinds of stuff. I can tell you, I don't know what you're going to go through, but I can tell you one thing. The end result, everything's going to be all right. We going to make it. Come on, tell your neighbor, we going to make it. But you'll never truly know God until you, let me, let me give you a couple of lessons truths from the Christmas story. We'll never truly know God until we're totally submitted to him, to his will. It's called all in. Now, most pastors won't talk about poker from the pulpit, but I used to love to play poker. And did. There's just something about the win, you know, you just, even when you're not winning, you just know you're going to next time, you know. It's called an addiction. <laughs> if you're not careful, it can be addicting. But all in is when you're sitting there with a hand, and you know your hand, you, you know your hand's going to beat any hand in the, at the table. You don't know that because you can't see their cards. But, you know, if you're sitting there with a royal flush, if you understand poker, if you're sitting there with a royal flush or four aces, let me know you're, you figure I can go all in. Even a full house, I can probably go all in, depending on how many players you have and all of that, you know. All in means you take all your chips, all your money, everything that you possess, and you push it on, forward on the table and you say, I'm all in. That means if you lose, you lose everything. But if you really do win, you win anything else that anybody else puts in, in the pile. Well, let me tell you about God. You're not going to lose with God. You're not going to lose. He's not trying to take anything away from you. Whenever I talk about tithing or giving to God, God is not a taker. God is a giver. He uses what you give as seed so that things can grow back in your life. I will tell you again, you will never prosper unless you learn to tithe and give to God. And there is a difference in tithing and then just giving above that. But until you get all in, I was just reading recently about, I believe it was Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was born early in the 1800s, 1829, something like that. And about you know, he's in his late teens, I believe. He and his older brother go off to school somewhere. And he was in, they were in, there in school for three or four years. And he writes home to his father, who was a pastor, and said, I believe I'm now ready. I'm now ready. He didn't use the word all in. He used a phrase like that. I'm now ready to totally and completely submit my life to Christ. Now, he was born again. He was saved. He had gone to church. He was a Christian. But he decided 
he decided, I'm going to give my all to God. I'm going to give my all to ministry. To ministry of the word. I'm going to give my life to ministry. And he pastored churches in different places. As a matter of fact, we were in, we have folks here from Africa, South Africa. We were in, by the way, he's one of my wife's favorite writers. We were in Cape Town, I believe. Somewhere in South Africa. Anyway, we're driving along. And somebody else is driving us in this van we're all in. And we go by this old church. And we're stopped at a stop sign. And it's just got, it has a real small little yard here. You know, you got the church and maybe 12 feet of grass and then a fence and then the sidewalk. And there's a, a statue of Andrew Murray. With, you know, it probably gave the, his date of birth and date of death or something like that on it. So maybe had some comments down there. I couldn't read it. <clears throat> I thought Beverly was going to rapture. <laughs> there's, a, there's a statue of Andrew Murray. He was a great man. He was a great man. See, I'm, I'm still reading these books. I have, one of the daily devotionals I do is by Andrew Murray. A great guy. But he made a comment that he was going to go all in. I'm giving it all to Christ. Let me tell you, you'll never, ever truly know God the way he wants you to know him until you're all in. If you're holding anything back, you know, the old song says, nothing between my soul and my Savior. There's anything between you and him. I'm not saying you can't be saved. I can't, I'm, not even, I'm not saying you can't go to heaven. I'm just saying you will not know him like he wants you to know him until you're totally submitted to him. The Christmas story in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary said, the angel came and said, you're going to bear a son. In short, he's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And on and on. Mary, of course, said, well, I don't know how this is going to happen because I don't know a man. And he's, that's when he says, the Holy Spirit will hover over you. The Holy Spirit, you, this, this, will be, this will be a child born of God, not of man. And she made this statement from the Passion Translation, I accept what he wants from me. Until you accept what God wants for you, totally accept that. You will not truly know God. Oh, that I might know him. I have other things. I'm sure just like you. I have other things that I get busy with and I want to do this and I want to do that. But then I stop. I stop and I think. This is what God wants me to do. This is what I'm going to do. I, I, I recall, I mentioned this recently. I recall when I was called pastor of this church. I didn't want to do it. I'm very, I was very shy, still am. You may not realize that I've had to really fight to even have the courage to stand in a pulpit and talk to people. I really had to fight that for a long time. I still have problems with it. Matter of fact, I'm going to sing this morning. I haven't sang in a long time. makes me more nervous to sing now than, than to preach even because I haven't done it in a while. Why? Because I just don't like looking at your faces while I'm preaching, I guess. You scare me. You're a scary bunch. I don't know. I told God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But in a matter of a few days, I said, but if you want me to do it, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so I've done it 37 years. 
38 years come May, Mother's Day. <clears throat> so I've done it. And let me tell you, I'm not saying I've always totally and fully and completely been so, you know, super spiritual and so obedient to God and just done everything, everything. No, I'm not saying that. I've gotten off track before, but the main purpose for my life, I have said, yes, I submit to that. Until you truly submit all to Christ, you will not know him like he wants you to know him. The second thought from the Christmas story You'll never know God until you desire to see him. Word of God talks about seeking his face. In Luke chapter 2 verse 25, Simeon said that he didn't want to die until he seen the Christ. Until you seek him, the song we sing, the more I seek him, the more I find him. Until you seek him, until you want to see him, and this has been said many times, and I believe it's true. Don't just seek his hands, what he can give you, but seek his face. Amen? We identify each other by our face. Another bad thing, and please don't be offended by this if you're wearing a mask this morning. You're welcome to wear a mask. We encourage you to wear a mask. We encourage you to do it, and then I don't do it, but... I understand it is good to be safe but another thing that's been harmful this year is that we've covered our faces up I go to Walmart I don't know if people are frowning at me or laughing at me or smiling at me I look at their eyes and if you look at people's eyes you can normally tell a lot but see we need to seek his face we identify each other he's identified by his face and let me tell you if you see the face of God he is not an angry God if you see the face of God, he is a smiling God. He is a laughing God, as a matter of fact. No, he's not this, you know, not this stern God that sits in heaven. Yes, he is God Almighty. He did speak this earth in existence, and we must honor him. No disrespect to him at all. But I can tell you, he's not near as hung up on being stern as a lot of people think he is. Religion has painted this picture of God as a mean God. He is not a mean God. If he were a mean God, I'd have been gone a long time ago. If he's just looking for me to do something or you to do something wrong so he can bean us in the head with his big ball bat, I'd have been beat up where you wouldn't even recognize me years ago. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a smiling God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you ought to smile. You'll look more like God if you'll smile. We must seek him. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. <clears throat> and he went and sold all he had. He goes and sells all he has. And he comes back and buys the field. because of the tre Why? He wanted the treasure in it. He wanted to find the treasure. Recently I read where... Uh, people were excavating in Scotland, I believe. And they found something there under the ground. And so some little piece of metal or something. And so they purchased, I think, just the rights to this field. And they excavated it and found a cross, a metal cross, 
that was determined to be about a thousand years old. No telling what it's worth. It didn't say in the article. You may have read it also. But I can tell you, I found a little bit. How about you? I found a little bit of God. And I know if I sell all, I can buy the whole field. I get the whole deal. I want more of God. How about you? There's more treasure in him. I mean, say amen. But I have to sell all everything else to buy the field to purchase that. Let me understand what I'm saying this morning. How do I draw near? How do I get to know him? I'll give you three words. Number one, surrender. Surrender. Die to self. We don't like to talk about death. Most pastors won't talk about it much. Die to self. Death stops all conflict. Apostle Paul wrote and said, put away anger, put away the flesh, stop that nonsense he's saying. Stop all of that. Die to selfishness. Die to self-centeredness. By the way, I, I wrote this down. Conflict in any relationship is due to one trying to force their will on another. You have a conflict in your marriage. You have a conflict in your family. You have a conflict with people you work with. It's because somebody's trying to impose their will on somebody else. Stop it. And I hope I don't embarrass her by saying this, but that's one of the things that my wife taught me. In a nice way. It took her a long time. It took her a long time. I'm still, she's still working on me, her and God. They're about to get me perfected. Just before I go out of here at age 94, I'll be perfect. Because her and God's still working on me. Stop trying to impose your will on everybody else. Everybody, nobody else is going to totally agree with everything. You're not God. You don't know it all. Everything you think is not perfect and right. So don't try to impose your will on me. I... By the way, I had that happen to me this week. Someone wanted, in a way, they were kind of nice about it, but they wanted to impose their will on me by telling me what they thought about something, knowing they said that because they knew that I don't agree with them. So let me say this about that. When someone tries to impose their will on you, just be quiet. Don't say anything because, see, you never have it really have a conflict until the second person opens their mouth. You know, you can ramble all you want to. You can, you can blast the air with the airwaves with your voice all you want to. But until somebody speaks up and disagrees with you, there's really not a conflict. And by the way, the war on the outside just means there's a war on the inside. If there's a conflict in your life, there's a conflict on the inside of you. I mean, say amen. If you will die to self, that conflict will leave. And when that conflict on the inside leaves, the conflict on the outside will leave. I'm preaching really good to you right now. Amen. But anyway, 
How do I draw near to God? How do I get to know him? I surrender. I die to self. Without death, now we don't like to talk about death, but listen to this. Without death, there's no resurrection. There's no new life. You like the old? Stick with it. Live in your death. But I don't like it. I don't like it. I get tired. Listen, I get tired of me sometimes. How about you? I say, hold it. That's enough of me. That's enough of me. I need to let that die. I need to leave that alone. I need to stop that. I need to surrender to God and his will. I like resurrection. I like newness of life. I'm going to tell you, I can go back to the day I was born again at age 23 on Mother's Day. At age 23, I got up with newness of life in me. Old things really did pass away. Really did pass away. All those desires, it's just like all of that junk of the past, it was all gone. It really was. And and by the way, a half-dead injured or dying animal becomes vicious. Have you ever been around a Christian that they weren't totally dead to self? (laughs) They can be vicious. I used to say this growing up. Of course, you know, I grew up in church, so I didn't know many people outside the church. But I used to say this, that some of the meanest people I ever met in life were in church, Christians in church. You know why? You know why they were mean? They weren't completely dead to self. Are you all with me this morning? I'm going to have to move off of that. I'm, I can tell, uh, you know. But I will just remind you, until you die to self, until there is a death, there will be no resurrection to newness of life. Okay, surrender. Number two, continue. Everybody say continue. Daily. Walking with God. Acts 2.46, so so they continuing daily, continuing daily. What I said at the beginning before I actually started the sermon this morning about reading the Bible, about praying every morning, if you will make that a habit, continually walking with God, if you continue to do the things that you know to do. There's another scripture, uh, 2 Timothy 3.14, but continue in the things you have learned. If you continue, if you continue, you will continually be getting to know God better. I said I haven't even scratched the surface, but I can tell you this. I know him a lot better than I did at age 23. I know him a lot better than I did at age 30, 40, 50, 60, and even 70. I know him better. You know why? Because I continue. I continue in the word. I continue to follow him. I continue to listen to him. I mean, say amen. One of the things I notice is that people people want to be saved, even come to the front in this church. We pray with them, but then I don't see them again. Or I don't, you know, maybe occasionally, or just I don't see them very often. Let me encourage you with this. Salvation is just entrance in the door. It's just entrance in. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying you're not ready for heaven, but that's not where, that's not where it's at. You don't just stand in, if you come to my house to visit, if you come to our house to live, if you walk into a house to live, you don't stay at the front, just inside the front door. You move on in. 
See, a lot of people just need to move on into the things of God, move on into church, move on into giving, move on into praying and seeking God, move on into reading your word. You want to know God? Surrender. You want to know God? Continue to seek after him and continue to die to self and be resurrected. Paul said, I die daily. It's okay. Die daily. Just be sure and resurrect daily. And everybody said, amen. So we surrender. We continue. Number three, worship. Webster says worship is reverence, honor paid to God. Worship. We seek God, but then God says he is seeking for those that will worship him. You get two people looking for each other, how many know they're going to find each other? Amen. You find you have God seeking for you and you're seeking for God, you're going to find him. You're going to, he's going to make sure of it. He'll make sure of it. He's seeking you out. I'm seeking him out. He's seeking me out. I'm going to find him and I'm going to get to know him and worship. And I will just tell you this. Surrender, continuing are very necessary. But if you don't really truly learn to worship God, you will not know God like he wants you to know him. Something happens in worship. Something happens in worship. Can I, can I be stoic and worship God? Well, I don't know. I can't. I can tell you that I can't. David was a king. David taught us some things about worship. I just read recently, it's one of those th- these things that, you know, sometimes I say and I think I could get in trouble for this. I just read recently where most of the churches that are growing now are of charismatic nature. One of the great things about Charismatic is just a new term for Pentecostal, you know. One of the great things about growing up in a Pentecostal church, we really learn to worship. Now you say, I'm worshiping God. You know, I went to this dead church and they had an organ and we all stood and worshiped God. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying there's, there's something here we need to learn I'm trying to help you to know God. You will not know God. You will not know God in his fullness the way he wants you to know him if you don't learn to truly worship. And to truly worship, you have to get out of yourself. Well, you know, I'm just reserved. That's all right. That's all right. But if he wants to get you out of your reserved position, you've got to be willing. I'm not talking about the flesh again. I'm not talking, you know, Andre Crouch saying, I don't have to jump. I don't have to run down no aisles. I don't have to jump no pews. I know I've been born again. I, me too. You don't have to do all that. We were accused. Well, my dad said his brother accused the church he pastored of hanging from the chandeliers. He said, we don't even have chandeliers in our church. But David taught us a lesson. He appointed singers. He appointed musicians. They practiced, by the way. They perfected it. They didn't have some, you know, little get together and 
well, you know, somebody sang an off key and somebody's, no, no, no. They were, they perfected praise in the natural and then they perfected it in the spiritual. And let me tell you what happened to David. A king, a king took off all his robes, his outer clothes. He took them all off and danced before the Lord. I'm not going there, Pastor Bill. Well, don't say that with that tone. You don't have to do that, but I can tell you right now, until you get out of yourself, you may never know God like God really wants you to know him. If you're of the reserved, you don't have to act like me. I'm, I'm very easily moved. I'm a very emotional person. I cry real easy. I cry. I'm, a, I'm emotional. I get, by the way, hopefully you don't, I should confess this, but I get angry quickly also. But I normally get over it real quick because instantly the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me. But I, I'm emotional. And so you just have to put up with me, you know. If I do scream and run around the building and jump the pews, we don't even have pews, but if I jump the chairs, you'll just have to deal with it. Amen. But understand this. I'm not doing this for a show. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for God because I enjoy knowing God. There's a lady right over here that enjoys knowing God. Yeah. She's not over there dancing and carrying on because of you, for you. She's doing it for God. Amen. We need to learn that we will never know God, truly know God, until we learn to worship him. I mean, say amen. amen. Surrender, continue, worship. Worship. Worship should happen in your daily life. Worship should happen in a corporate setting. Scripture says deep calls to deep. What's, what's happening, Pastor Bill? Deep on the inside of me. Deep on the inside of me. There's something starts stirring. And that's why the tears start. That's why the arms go up. And when I was younger, I danced also. That's why that happens. Why? Because deep in me is calling to something deep in God. I want to go deeper into Him. <laughs> well, wasn't that a great episode? If this episode has meant anything to you, if this podcast is ministering to you and speaking to you, helping you live a life more after the things of God, then we'd appreciate your financial contribution to help us continue to do this. You can go on over to our website at WLFAR.com and click on the Give tab and contribute to what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas. I can assure you, you will be blessed.